Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm Ian Carlos Crawford. And I'm Matthew Rodriguez, and we're here to talk about the most iconic episode of Buffy that we've talked about so far. And we are joined by our family member and reoccurring guest. Family member! Hello! Joe Reed! How are you? Yay! Very happy to be here. <clears throat> yes. This was the episode, these are the episodes that radicalized me as a, <laughs> as a Buffy fan, so. Radicalization. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Um... So let's just dive right in because there's so there's so much to go. And into. we've already gone through your Buffy origin story. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we need go back to and watch get rid of that episode format. one. Yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to episode one exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess do we go in order? Like, if there's so much to cover. I know. There's like. I guess we could deal with that flashback because that's sort of a first things first kind of a thing. Oh, what? Yeah. Is, so how does the episode open? Is it on the flashback? It's on the flashback to Angel in Ireland when yeah. he gets sired by Darla because her giant cleavage I think it sort of envelops him <laughs> oh my gosh that buxom bosom. yes she's incredibly buxom it is yeah. the, it is like when, I, when <laughs> I I think that a picture of her cleavage should be in the dictionary next to yeah. her buxom <laughs> yeah oh for sure yeah. um, and I just want to say that actually as much as this is a whole like you know Joss and the writer team are weaving a whole yarn yeah I'm actually not a fan of anything in this episode that's not the main plot Oh, oh, like I the agree. Max Perlick stuff? I don't like the back... I don't like the flashbacks. I yeah. hate Whistler. Yeah. Oh my god, I hate Whistler. Yeah. That's so... Like, I don't disagree with you. I think I think David Boreanaz does a really good job in his arc as Angel, but he's really, really bad whenever they, like, try and make him be Irish again, because, like, his right. accent work is really, really terrible, and it's all he very, like... Of, yeah, he kind of has, like... Game of Thrones disease, where it's just like, <laughs> this takes place before 1900, I guess I have to have this accent. Yeah, yeah. And Peter Dinklage syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait, that's funny, because I always say, so I don't watch Game of Thrones, which is like one of the weirdly off-brand things for me. Yeah. Um, but I always say that about um, Lady Sif in Thor. Oh, yeah. Like, her, like, weird Asgard accent is, like, All horrendous. of those friends of Thor are sort of like that, too, where it's but like... I, I just think it's like, anytime something happens in an, in another universe and it looks medieval-y, they yeah. go English, but they also do do for superheroes a lot. I mean, yeah. oddly, on Supergirl, when they're on Krypton, her parents speak in this, like, high... High Valerian. High, like, whether, right. like, high New England or kind of england yeah, yeah, yeah. speak when they're on Krypton, too, and it's yeah. like, what? I would, I would love it if they just made it that they're, like, they were speaking just Cockney-ass <laughs> yes. yeah. fucking, like, oh, gutter English. See, that is the thing, is, like, you know, make it a little bit, a little little lower class yeah right um but yeah and the stuff with whistler is funny because like around this time so this was what 90 this was already in 98. So 98. 98 yeah, yeah. So this was spring of 98 and like max perlick was kind of in everything for a while there for a is very very short whistler? yes very very short amount of time and he like then totally went away because like there is not a market for squirrely little rat face men in hollywood well, so what's like really weird is there's trivia that like they wanted him to be doyle that makes a ton of sense, Who's actually. For Angel. Angel. Oh, okay. And, but, Angel. like, he was unavailable, and I'm like, who, who was he that he was he unavailable? Was, he was on Homicide Life on the Street for a while, and he was, and he, like, popped up in a lot of things, again, like, within, like, like a two-year period, okay. and then, like, the casting rage was sort of over, which I always love going back into old TV for that, and, like, remember when this person was everywhere, and then it, like, totally right. stopped. They were, like, and that's the thing, is, like, they were working with their agent, they were, like, we have you lined up for six things, yeah. and then two years later, it's, like, none of them panned out. Yeah, yeah. Like, remember that Brian Greenberg guy who was in, like, six HBO shows for a while. He was in How to Make It in America. Yes. And he was in uh, that one show that, like, was sort of semi... It was about actors and whatever. Um, and then he was in that movie with Meryl Streep when Meryl Streep played his mother and Uma Thurman played his girlfriend. Um, Prime. Prime. Um, and then all of a sudden it was just like, poof, gone. Yes. Like, yeah. never to be found again. Anyway, tangent. I mean, I would have really liked him on Angel is what I always think. Like, I think that... I kind of, like, agree with you. Like, it's like, I don't care about him because... It's one of those things where this is supposed to be so important, but like we never see him again. Right, I could have been made to care about him yes. if Whistler had come back in some form, mm-hmm. um, because apparently when I when you look him up on like Buffy Wikia, like he He's has he has a shit ton of powers. Oh, Whistler? Yeah, yeah, like, really. Wh- when Buffy guesses, do you remember in the end when she's talking to him and she's like, "What are you, some demon sent here to settle the score between good and evil?" And he's like, "That's a really good guess." Like so, maybe he was originally supposed to come back. When you read the Buffy wiki, like he was literally like he is an entity formed by the powers that be, oh. and he like recruited Angel to the good side, not knowing that Angel 
would ultimately be the one who woke up at Kafala. And that's why he says, like, I was sent here and I didn't know Angel was going to be the one. He knew something was going to happen with Angel Kafala. He thought Angel oh, would stop wow. him. So when you read the Buffy wiki, yeah, like, Whistler has a shit ton of powers. And this all shows up in the comics? Yes. Yeah, Because yeah. in, in, in the comics, he... I think he has, like, a whole arc where he's, like, kind of a villain, but it's because whatever Buffy had done before, right. he's, like, literally evening the, like... He's, like, a balancer yeah. of the scales, yeah. yeah. And okay. so he was the one who, like, he was sent to help to bring Angel into being yeah. good. So they don't actually spell that out in the show. The show just makes him kind no. of creepy and odd. Yeah. And then never does anything. They do him. kind of leave a little bit of door for him to come back, door open for him to come back, but he oh, yeah. does, never does. Yeah. Yeah. It is weird that all of a sudden in this episode, there's this character who seems to know everything. Right, because it just feels unearned. Like, yes. we are yeah. wanting to figure out everything. And it's fine if you have a character who comes in and sheds in li- and sheds some light. Yeah. But to have some all-knowing character come in on t- episode 21 yeah. and narrate the episode, which frustrates the fuck out of me. Yes. Yeah. Like, because that's the other thing, like, why I like just, like, the main through line. With his narration, I kind of feel like it's one of the few times where Buffy, in the narration, is trying to go too broad and, like, teach you a lesson. Yes. And I feel like it's just, like, an empty, vacuous I think part of it was, I think they found so much success with the narration and passion. I think that went over so well that they were like, well, let's try it again. And I don't think Buffy is actually very well served by narration. Well, one, it's not. You're absolutely right. The narration and passion is good, almost like, if you will. It's a a, (laughs) one-off. Sorry. I was just going to say a one-off. Sorry. But that is a controversial word. Oh, God. No, we can't even talk about one-off We can't even talk about one-offs because Ah, of the great... The great Twitter battle, which we have to actually talk about in this episode, because we, this is the first episode recording since the one-off the battle one-off on Twitter, which was like a game. Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump redux. <laughs> um, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Um, but one other thing that's interesting in this episode, though, is I had totally forgotten that we see her first watcher yeah. in this, played who's by... the character actor. Who's the character actor, who's, I don't know the actor's name, but he shows up in everything. I mostly remember him as the guy who gives, uh, who sucks Joseph Gordon-Levin's dick in Mysterious Skin in the very beginning of Mysterious oh, he Skin. Is? Yes. Oh. He's um, also in Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. He's also on one episode of The West Wing. Yeah, he shows up in, like, Richard a lot of Real. things. Sure, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. He is a, he's also in, I'm pretty sure, Office Space. Um... I think he's one of the people who gets fired. In Am I like, he is. Yeah. He is, yeah. yeah. You know what I would really love if they had brought Donald Sutherland? Well, okay, so this is what I was going to say, because sometimes it seems like Buffy the TV show is leaving a little bit of a door open and a wink to be like, everything that happened in Buffy the movie happened. She burned down the, the gym, gym. Yeah. Like, whatever. And then, like, this is sort of picking up from there. And so this, they never name this first watcher. And so you're not quite sure. Do they credit him? He's credited, he's credited as Merrick. But he is credited as Merrick. That could just be the internet knowing that it's Merrick. Okay, okay. That. So then they actually did recast then the Donald Sutherland character, or at least like gave him a name that is a nod to another nod to the movie. Right. Yeah. But I'd forgotten that he shows up in multiple scenes. I sort of remembered him as sort of like showing up and be like, we have to talk, and then they sort of like leave you to assume. But I had no, forgotten that he shows she, up in yeah. the... Where she misses the heart. Because yes. then yeah. she tells Dawn that in the... Right. Yeah. Oh. Later she tells on I missed the heart the first time too. Yeah. I totally never even <laughs> caught on to that. I yeah. actually didn't either until this rewatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was like, wait, she missed the heart. She says that to Dawn. Yeah. Like, oh, um, that's very cool. Because it's in Lessons that she said. Because Lessons is like one of my favorite season seven episodes just yeah. for that end. Yeah. So I watched that. That would be one of the only season seven episodes that I know well enough yeah. that I would like. And another Hank Summers is a Terrible Person episode where yes. you hear him... Being a dick to Joyce. Oh my gosh, he's being off. such an asshole. He's being such an asshole. The way they're showing the dissolution of that marriage and like Buffy, yeah. like looking in the mirror as her parents fight, and she just like went through the trauma of like killing a vampire for the first time. I almost wish, and I don't know whether it was because of the unavailability of Hank, or more likely because they wanted to show Buffy's face during that argument. But I wonder if we had seen Joyce during that argument, whether we have a little bit more sympathy for her when she and Buffy fight. True. Because, like, she really is, like, trying to hold on to her daughter, and, like, she's very afraid for her, and she sort of blames herself for what the divorce seemingly has done. Because as far as Joyce knows, this is all acting out because of the divorce. Yeah, that's true. So... That's true. I I always feel like I don't know how much sympathy people generally give Joyce in that scene. Because I remember when I first saw it, I was just like, oh my god, she's such a jerk. Like, that's you know. how I, I every time I watch it I get so mad at it. But you look at her face after every, she says don't what? come back. Uh, well, we are skipping ahead sorry, so we are, you're right. far. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
Um, we can't talk about this yet. Okay. Also, I would agree with you what you think about Whistler. I think Whistler and all of the flashbacks for me... They feel a little clunky because, I mean, one, I, like we said, David Boreanaz' accent isn't always the best. It is not always the best. Um, yeah. So for me, that also takes me out of it because it's like a little yeah. silly. Yeah. And everyone else, like, I feel like almost every other actor on that show is just so good. Yes. And like Julie Benz and Juliet Landau are like running circles around him in those yeah. flashbacks. Yes. Well, then the next flashback we do get is when he turns to Scylla when she goes to confess. She confession. Which is a good scene. That's because really I, good mostly scene. because I also love the transition to her walking down the steps of that mansion. Yeah. And then, like, that's when she says she has the vision of the, of a Akafala yeah. coming, and he says, oh, I, you, he, she read it in the morning paper, Yanini. Yeah. And, um, and then we get to that scene where Giles goes to actually confront, or, like, look at the Akafala thing. And uh, that man's like, oh, we have a... Uh, that man who's also a character actor. Yes. He's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we have the foremost authority on relics here in Sunnydale. I'm like, he is a high school librarian. Yeah. <laughs> yes! Like, can he's, someone call someone at UCLA? Can right. someone call UC Sunnydale? Right. How many museums do you have in the greater Los right. Angeles area? Like, you and you're relying on a high school librarian. That's so funny. Who comes and Listen, takes a sample. He has a very specific area of expertise. But he literally takes a sample of rock. What does does he do with the sample of rock? He is he going to carbon date it? Yeah. He doesn't have a lab. He has 12 books. That's so funny. <laughs> he has a bookshelf. He has books. Yeah. Like, what is he going to do? I mean... That's a very good point. But, like, for Giles, the character that we know, it does make sense that he might be able to, like, do a thing. I mean, not that. That doesn't make any sense. But, like, that he would be someone that... He's just going to library it. Yeah. He'll figure it out. Yeah. Um... I also feel like when you mentioned Drusilla, that's a good point because she's so good in this episode and it she's made me so realize good. I wish we had gotten to see more of like fully full powers Drusilla because really like she gets to that yes. point about midway and, through the season and then you don't see her very much yeah. until the end and like when she's sort of squaring off with Kendra at the end of this episode it's like oh my god she's so badass she's so like fearsome and then I thought about like season 2 of Angel when she and Darla are like yeah. to like run roughshod over everybody and then that got cut short via like availability yeah. concerns who did you tell us that. it was that they weren't available I thought I had heard that it was Juliet Landau that okay. was available because I remember I was telling someone about that Yeah. so I was like oh Joe Reed said it was and then I couldn't remember which actress yeah. and yeah. I could be thinking of you know unreliable information but like I remember hearing that a long time ago um yeah, the flashbacks, so it's weird. Like, I think part two is better, but I, for me, I just, part one has so many clunky things going on. Yeah. And I didn't, like, this, like, because I, I've had my life lit on fire the last month, and I've been watching both of these episodes a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't realize how little Kendra's actually, she literally comes in, gives yep. her Mr. Pointy and then fucking dies. And like, watching that that scene again with the Mr. Pointy stuff I was like, oh they're really telegraphing that she's gonna die. When he's, like, right? When Buffy's like I really think we could like be friends now or whatever and it's just like, oh man like. And it's kind of, I mean first of all, it's weird you really see how unseasoned Kendra is for two reasons. Yeah. Because she can't defend them from the vamps that come after them. And she should be able to. Like, yeah. it's not that many. Yeah. And she only defeats, like, one of them. And, like... She's, like, as useful as, like, Xander and Giles She's are. not a great vampire slayer, let's all admit yeah. it. Let's yeah. Let's all... <laughs> like, she just... Yeah, she's there. unable to... And she's all about, like, technique and, like... Yeah. You'd think she would be able to just Chun-Li everyone. Yeah. I she... blame her watcher. That's what I <laughs> right. say. Yeah. Well, so one of the things that I've heard before... So let's talk about Kendra's death. Yeah. And because we're talking about Kendra and we're talking about the badassness of Drusilla. Yeah. So obviously Drusilla, like, mind hypnotizes... That's right. thing, yeah. Kendra... They it may. Be, and then <laughs> slash B and me on Grindr. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and then, like, slashes her throat with her nails, which is... A really good throwback to the first time we see Drusilla, because doesn't she, like, cut Spike's chick, cheek? Oh, maybe. Doesn't he bleed a little bit when they kiss the first time, or am maybe? I wrong? I don't know. Because I, I think there's been a hint before that her yeah. nails could, like, cut people. Yeah. Um, I'll have to look back into that. But anyway. Um, nails. So she cuts Kendra. So I've read and heard before that the reason that Drusilla is able to do that to Kendra yeah. is because Kendra... 
like we get a lot of this like the difference between Kendra and Buffy is that like Kendra is super programmable yeah. uh-huh. and like Buffy is like you like does she's her own a rebellious thing. girl right and like yeah. Kendra doesn't have emotions and she's all about like by the books and that's why Drusilla is actually able to like bend her mind and kill her yeah that's like a nod to I can, I can Kendra being a different type of slayer than right Buffy. she's so because Drusilla probably would be able to do that to Buffy because the master tried to hypnotize Buffy right it's true and couldn't well, Buffy's been more battle-tested. I feel like she's been on the Hellmouth for longer. See, yeah. and, like, all of, like, that part makes sense, but the part that she couldn't even fight those other vampires, that yes, is... absolutely. Because, absolutely. like, her whole thing is, like, oh, fight I almost, I almost tried yeah. to do an accent. I was like, Ian, don't you dare. Um, <laughs> like, Why? You know, Bianca Lawson <laughs> tried it her best. And you, you'll do no worse than she did. <gasps> we don't slander Bianca Lawson. I love Bianca Lawson. She's been in high school for 25 years. Listen, but... This but so also, her her whole deal is literally my watcher trains me every day where by the books, what is he training her if she can't fight like yeah. four vampires? Yeah, that's a good right. point. Like I get that like Buffy's different because she doesn't, but like the fighting wise, she should still be able to at least like yeah. And literally like Xander gets as much done as she does. That's true. And like, also Sarah Michelle Gellar pulls off a pretty decent Kendra impersonation in this episode. That I really like. <laughs> she does. <laughs> Someone hand her an Emmy. <laughs> that should have been her Emmy clip. I mean, we'll talk about Emmy clips later, too. Like, all of part two was just like, give her an Emmy, for God's sake, give her an Emmy. It really is. Yeah. Um, but okay, so part one is a little bit clunkier, but for me, I really think, like, so season two isn't my favorite. Like, seasons five and three are my favorites. But I think, like, her picking up that bazooka in right. what's my, not what's Innocence. my, one, Innocence. And then her doing the slow run at the end are, like, maybe my two favorite moments from Buffy ever. So it's funny because the slow motion blue jacket run coincide or is concurrent with a voiceover that yeah. I hate. But it, actually the voiceover works. works the voiceover yes. doesn't work at the, be- at the whole rest of the episode. But there it works. But there it kind of works. And, um... But I think so yeah, I, when she is running down that hall, it just feels ooh, like... I know. It's you know what it is almost? And there's been a lot of talk on the internet about the parallels between these two. It is almost like the... Um, help me here. It is almost like the Wonder Woman No Man's Land scene. Oh, yeah. There's a it lot is of... Like oh, yeah. her just yeah. going forward, And running. she knows it's going to be bad. Right. Yeah, right. It's true. And she just is fucking going. And you feel yourself running with her... Like, yeah. it is amazing. And they also, it's one of those scenes where I'm like, oh, they shot that scene for next season's opening credits. <laughs> like, yeah. That scene was made for season three opening credits. <laughs> it's a perfect opening credit. It really is. I mean, I just think it's like, especially for lots of times, especially in seasons two and one, where it falls to like, okay, I know what they're doing. Like, yeah. this shot doesn't work, but I get it. It's like 1998. I still think this shot would work. Yeah. Now. Yes. Oh, totally. Like, I think that whole, like, the way, like, even the music, it goes like, and like, she starts this, like, makes me cry every time. And I just think, and I think the reason that voiceover works is because it's very perfectly, like, Joss Whedon had his best writing day. Like, he wrote that episode and then was like, wait, I got this and wrote that voiceover. And for me, that voiceover could be anyone. Yes. Like, well, that's, maybe that's the problem too, is that it feels very much like, who is this man that's trying to teach us a lesson? It's yeah. kind of, I almost feel like, you know, one of the kids in Freedom Writers or Dangerous Minds. I'm like, who is this white person trying to teach me something that I've known for two days? I have been living with this all season. Right. And <laughs> you don't know me, me and you're not going to teach me about the world. Like, I even would, I would just rather, like, one of her friends say that yes. voiceover or something or someone who knows her. Jenny Calendar it does feel, from Beyond the Grave. Right, it does feel, oh my God, imagine if Jenny Calendar narrated this episode from Beyond the Grave and she was watching them all. I was going to say, I would love that. I would buy it. Like, I would totally buy it. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, she, and it, so I just feel like, especially like a man narrating this whole thing about like Buffy's journey when yeah. it's, I just didn't, I don't love it. I get that. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing, yeah, I think you're right. Like, it's weird. They could have made it like Willow or Xander or even fucking Cordelia. Like, yeah. oh, they're like talking about it after it happened. Sure. I think with, I think they wanted to keep up. I think you clearly see in this episode, they wanted to keep this idea that like, Oh, somebody could die. Whereas, like, yes. you go, Xander gets knocked down, and it looks like for a second, like, he could be in trouble. Willow, Willow looks yeah. like she could be in serious trouble. And then Giles, too. Yeah. And so I think the episode really wanted you to, like... Okay, one thing, now that we're talking about the hallway running, 
I do have a quibble with this one thing, which is that this is the only episode, really, where we see the police, the police yes. get involved. Well, that and that's the beginning of episode two, also, so let's go into episode two. Wait, okay. wait. Because episode one ends with the gun pointing at Buffy. That's true. Okay, like, let's let's clean up whatever we want to from episode two. No, I'm saying let's, let's transition to episode two. Okay. What did, we, what did we miss from episode one, Ian? Ian's giving us a look. <laughs> well, there's that big Xander Giles scene that I feel like we should probably yes. talk about. Which, which Xander Giles? Where that. Xander gets super pissy in the library when they're all, like, arguing, and even, like, Cordelia tries to be like, I think Xander has a point, and he, like, snaps at her. For once, I wish you would back me up, and now yeah. I realize that you yeah. were, and I'm yeah. embarrassed. And it's, like, I know we talked when before when I was on the show here, when we've talked about, like problematic Xander, like, toxic masculinity Xander, all right. that sort of stuff. And, like, he's at his most hateful in this episode. Well, you know what it is, is that Xander's grossest scenes are when he's talking about Angel, and yes. this was one of the first times where, well, it's like the second, where he's able to be super snooty and feel right. Yes. Because Angel has done something bad. Yes. Um, yeah, because it's like, oh, he's not wrong, Angel did do this, but also right. he's still being... I'm trying to remember how I would have felt about it back then without the knowledge of everything that Angel does after. Yeah. Angel, all the good that Angel does after. You know what I mean? If I had only really had season one of Angel being kind of a sketchball, season two of Angel being, like, a good boyfriend for a little bit, but then he goes bad, like, halfway through that season, like, would I have been more yeah. sympathetic to Xander, being like, yeah, like, why are we, why are we working so hard to, right. like... Save his soul. I do see that, too. Like, when I was watching it, this... Because we had talked about this earlier, how Buffy and Angel don't actually spend that much time dating. No. And so, like, I think... I hate to say this. I think I might have felt the way Xander did. Well, you know what it is? When you binge watch a show... Yeah. You don't get to spend the emotional amount of time with the story as if you watched it every week. Yeah. And I get this a lot when I rewatch Weeds, actually, because Weeds is, like, ten episodes... And they're all a half hour, and it's yeah. supposed to cover, like, so many months. Yeah. That, like, when I watched it for the first time, just, like, zooming through it on Netflix, I was like, yo, Nancy Bowen, your husband's been dead for, like, two hours, ah! but really it had been, like, two seasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was like, it's it's so raw for me, because I'm just like, this woman was just getting over her husband yesterday, and yeah. I didn't realize I've been in bed for Get two out days. Of that <laughs> Get out of that FBI agent's bed. Right. Meanwhile, I've been in bed for two days. And, but, like, so it's the same thing with Buffy. I think yeah. that maybe... You would we, you would have spent more emotional time with Angel if you were watching season one and season yeah. two week, at home, week to week to week, week to week, week knowing yeah. that like the characters were also going through those weeks and like That's still true. having a week. You know. yeah. Plus, it is just the fact that you know that the place that Xander is mostly coming from is still a position of yes. rivalry with Angel over Buffy, which is like that ship has so sailed. Well, do you like, know that's what's funny about that is that there's actually I feel like no one who represents a pure anti-angel side that... You know what I mean? Because Xander doesn't seem purely anti-angel. He's only anti-angel because he wants Buffy. Yeah. And I actually think that Kendra is supposed to be the purely anti-angel one. Yeah. Because she's just like... Yeah. Faster vampire kill kill. Yes, exactly. She does say, I tend to side with your friend Xander on this one. Right. But Yeah, they sort of make her maybe weaker... I mean, they went, obviously, full throttle, Charlie's Angels 2, with, with, like, Faith being Buffy's foil. But if they had at least played up a little bit of Kendra being like, no, I'm by the books and we kill vampires, and given her more time to say that... You can see with a lot of Faith that, like, oh, here's a thing we could have done with Kendra. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, here's here's maybe a thing we could have had Kendra say. Because even when, like, Angel comes back from hell or whatever, like, Faith does do a lot of that in uh, Revelations, where she's just like... What are we talking about? He's a vampire. We gotta kill him. Yeah. And, like, it it does make sense because it's, like, also she only knows him as yeah. this, like, murderer. Um, I wanted to just read the lines that I love okay. from the end of this. Okay, <laughs> it's my favorite! Um, Indulge the boy. <laughs> thanks, Dad. Dream um, Daddy. <laughs> I want to try to play that. Um, no one asked for their life to change. Oh, whoops. Wow. <laughs> I already messed it up. Wow. Someone's big spot, big break. Uh, <laughs> just a big break over here. So, Buffy runs into the school. It goes, and her blue jacket looks beautiful. Uh-huh. And I start crying, and then Whistler does a voiceover. Bottom line is, even if you see him coming, you're not ready for the big moments. No one asks for their life to change. Not really. But it does. So what are we? Helpless? Puppets? No, the big moments are going to come. You can't help that. It's what you do afterwards that counts. 
that's when you find out who you are. You'll see what I mean. <gasps> Ugh, it's so yeah, good. It's so good. Um, also, like, being dramatic, I'm like, my life's a mess and I understand this <laughs> and this relates to me because that's how I feel and blah, 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 blah. Josh, you're speaking to my <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so the episode ends with the gun. The gun, yes. And so let's go to the um, Joe's and talk about the police. Okay, yeah. So I feel like this is, if not the only time, one of the very, very few times we ever see the police brought in. And it feels a little too, like, I get where they want to get Buffy into this place where, like, she can never go home again. But why this time? Why would? Why is this the one time the police well, it's, are called? You know what it is? But there's so many times throughout the series where, like, oh, the police would really have walked in on a bad situation here. You know what I right. mean? Right. It feels weird that the police are called. And also because I actually don't think that they sat down and wrote out the mythology of the Sunnydale police and how much they do and do not know. Right. Yeah. Because there is, you know, um, Armin Shimmerman saying, like, the police are deeply stupid. Yeah. And him calling the mayor. Yes. And then you have the... I don't know if there's a... Is it, tell us if there's a technical TV term for, like, the line before you go into the credits. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure that there is, but I don't know it. You know, so... Yeah. And it's like that cop leaning into her microphone. She's like, we have a white woman 5'2", right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. And she's... It's like, okay, Buffy's on the lamb now. Yeah. Um, and then, like, uh, suspect is 5'2", blonde, 105 pounds yeah. or something. Yeah. It's like, okay. like, don't at me! She's like, very dangerous. <laughs> um, and it's like... Uh, and I don't think they ever resolve it when she comes back... They never the bring up the police the again. I'm like, she is, well, is wanted for murder, back. but then it just goes away. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's it's very weird because I don't think they actually thought out like how much the police do and do not know about working in Sunnydale. And I don't are they like if... part of the badness or are they just all stupid? And I don't know how necessary even it is in that like all these other things are already happening to her. She gets kicked out of her home. She gets expelled from school. She has to kill her boyfriend. <laughs> like, I don't know if it was super necessary to give, like, one more thing other than the fact that it, like, puts her on the run for the first half of part two. Where, like, she yeah. can't, like, you know... I don't know, she's got to have that weird little, like, cat burglar outfit when she goes to the hospital. Right, and so I re- you're right, is that I don't think they add anything structurally. Like, it's a little minor nuisance, but, like, yeah. they could have had the hospital scene without her having to dodge the cops. Right. And then, ultimately... What makes her leave home is what we're talking about later is the fight with Joyce. Yeah. That's what actually puts her on the lamb. Right. So I don't really see the structural necessity for the police. Yeah. Especially because it just takes you so out of the whole world of the show. I honestly don't think that we see police again until season six when Andrew and the trio, or Andrew and Jonathan are in jail. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a really good point. I honestly think that's the next time we see police officers. I was trying to if we ever saw them when it was like, Faith, you killed a man. You have to like turn yourself in or whatever. Aren't those like watcher police? Like they take them, but I think those are like watcher police. Because that's actually resolved in Angel. Right. Oh, we see police in season that episode. We do see them outside the church in season yes, four. Yes, because it's kind yeah. of like hate faith has pulled up in that church. Yeah, yeah, faith has pulled up because Giles does the like distraction. Ooh, such a yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Something but... I consider a one-off. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> A two-part one. All right, you tell me when we're going to have this conversation because we will have it. We're going to have this fight. <laughs> um. So, uh, what happens? Next, so after she's on the she's on the run, uh, and she does go to visit. So obviously, Will is in the hospital. Will's in the hospital. I love that scene with Cordelia, where Cordelia's like, "I got, I think I got two counties over before I realized that nobody was chasing me." Yeah, and then she's like, "Guess I'm not that brave." And it's like it's the most humble we've ever seen Cordelia. And I like that Buffy gives her a break because yes. like, oh, Buffy's like, "You did the right thing." I always like, I'm such, the, I'm that dork who always loves, like, I love when people are bitchy to each other. I love repulse drivers, whatever. But, uh. <laughs> I like when people who are hostile to each other have moments where they're nice to each other and shows yeah. like this. I always love when like Buffy and Cordelia would find common ground yes. and stuff like that. So I thought that was very sweet. So tell me what it was like to know for the first time that like Angel was straight up going to torture Giles. I know. I mean, watching that for the first time was it, I remember being like that's actually legitimately scary. Like, like I yeah. I remember it being like, Oh, this is dark. Oh, this is very dark. And that Drusilla then used Jenny against him was so dark. Yeah. So, so like dark. But like even just the way that like Angel sort of like talks about the things he's going to like torture Giles with, like I find it to be very just Yeah. 
Though someone should write a slash about it. <laughs> I'm almost certain somebody yes, has already I'm written sure. a slash about that. Like, that's not even a Be Becoming spelled C-U-M-N. Part ah! <laughs> two. <laughs> Um, yes. But yeah, so I, I think, you know, that it's just like this whole interesting dynamic of like the love of Buffy's life at 18 years old, or at 17 years old. Yeah. Torturing like her father figure. Yes. It's just oh so. Oh God, it's like Fear with Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon all over again. <laughs> I don't know what that is. You never saw that movie? No. Oh my God, you oh should God. see it. First of all, Mark Wahlberg fingers Reese Witherspoon on a roller coaster. On a roller coaster. coaster. That's like all I remember about that movie. Uh, no, <laughs> because also. It was like Reese so Witherspoon's Reese Witherspoon's in movie. high school and she gets a boyfriend who's Mark Wahlberg and he's like. Is he also in high school or is he older? He's. I think I he's a little bit older. older. But like he's like, whatever, like bad news. And his her dad's William Peterson and her mom's Amy Brenneman and they don't approve. And. Uh, but they keep dating anyway. And it's, like, all your, like, worst nightmares about, like, your daughter dating the wrong type of guy because he's, like, violent and, like, he ends up, like, killing the dog yeah. and, like, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's a movie that was I feel like... Was it 90s? It was yes. mid-90s. It was, like, 96. Okay, because it kind of feels like one of those movies, like... Oh, my God, you're about to say what I was going to say. Which one were you going to say? That's been made, like, a hundred different times. Right, it, and especially <laughs> in the early 90s, that was about, like, Stranger Danger. I'm thinking, like, Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Single White Female, like, you never really know. Yes. It yeah. sounds like in that vein of film. While I was Which home, I love. There's yeah. another oh, yeah. movie that's like that, and I want to say Kiefer Sutherland's in it, and I don't know that anyone else famous is in it, but there's another movie that's, like, almost like that, where this guy lives at their house, and he, like, rapes their son at the end Wait, of the what? movie. Yeah, because I just watched it, like, this past week when I was visiting home, and I was like... like Kiefer Sutherland. Someone, one of the Sutherlands. Or Donald. Yeah, it might be... It's either Kiefer or Donald. One of them plays the dad, and the dad actually does get killed in the end. Oh, wow. And, like, the son gets, like... It's, like, really awful, but it's, like, that movie, but, like, instead of dating anyone, it's, like, he's just living at their house. Like, Poison Ivy was like this. Yeah. Like, uh, what was the crush was like this. Like, there was a lot of just sort of like, invite sex into your home at your own peril, like that kind of a thing. Poison Ivy. It was almost sort of like different, like, uh, iterations on Fatal Attraction a little bit. Yes. Right. Um, Drew Barrymore is iconic in Poison Ivy. One of these days I'm going to seriously write about mid-90s Drew Barrymore because, like, her comeback is really fascinating because it happened in stages and that stage of it was so specifically, like, we are going to cast you as this, like, team trollop in fucking everything. everything. We're going to play Amy Fisher. Right. We're going to be Poison Ivy. Like, yeah. I've said, and I told Kevin, uh, or our friend Kevin O'Keefe, at Kevin P. O'Keefe on Twitter, <laughs> that um, I want to write an essay about how Drew Barrymore is an unsung queer icon because Ooh. she was, I mean, besides the team trollop role, yeah. From that transition from '90s into 2000 was also like she was always cast as the outcast. Yeah, I mean she was. I mean she often was using her sex in, the, in a weaponized way. But there was a string in the early 2000s where she very rarely got like actual love interests and was more just the bad girl. Like she Boys has. Boys on the side was like that. Right. I mean, I she, loved her in that. That's... Boys on the side is an amazing film, and it needs. We need to have a podcast about <laughs> that film where we just discuss it every week. I will do it. <laughs> like, it's it. so good. I mentioned that soundtrack the other day, and they're like, "You had the Boys on the Side soundtrack." I'm like, like "Who did? Who are you talking to?" Of course, I had the Boys on the Side soundtrack. The like, name of that movie was Natural Enemy that I was talking about. Oh god, it was Donald. It was Donald Sutherland. So look, it kind of relates to Buffy. What year? <laughs> 1996. Wow. Okay. And it's that the. That's like his new young shot, young hotshot upstart partner, business partner ends up being his like son from another marriage where the wife died. Oh and shit! The son hates him but wait, for. how did we get here? We got here. Like, uh, I did. was doing my watcher thing. Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, it started. Oh, with fear, bad boyfriend. It's Giles and Angel. Yes. Your okay. your your boyfriend and your dad. Yeah. yeah. So um, okay. So let's keep going though. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really scary. I did like that we got to see uh, Robia Lamorte again as Jenny. Yeah. Um, oh, we also didn't mention the flashback to when Angel got the curse put on him, the gypsy curse put on him. Yeah. That the one guy who's talking to him was totally the guy from Melrose Place who Kimberly kept seeing in the mirror when she went crazy and blew really? the building. Yes. I Do you remember that? Seen, did you never, never watch Melrose Place? Or no, I seen the show. I did, okay. Joe. This is like the you third time on the podcast we've referenced Melrose Place. Okay, together. I will always mention Melrose because Place. Is Melrose I, Place on a streaming site? I don't, yes, it's on is it? Amazon. 
Oh, okay, yeah. I didn't know it was. Yeah. Because um, that's a show I feel like I might revisit. I stopped watching after they blew up the apartment. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> he was the one who made her do it. Because, like, yeah, she, he heard... was the one she would see in the mirror, and he was like, Kimberly. That's the plot line I remember the most. Yeah, Like, oh, I course. remember the gay character, and then Marsha Cross being crazy and blowing up the place. Yeah, that's, that's, those are the things you remember. Oh, but also... And Kristen Davis drowning. Sydney joining a sex cult was also pretty good. Anyway, that's another <laughs> if, I, if you had to tell me to watch one show, would it be Melrose Place or Beverly Hills 902? Melrose Place. Melrose you place. would like Melrose Place more for sure. Okay. Plus, it's it's it will have it will seem less dated only because it's crazier. Okay. Like nine hundred two is more grounded. Yeah. And, like it, it will seem more dated. Nine hundred two is it nine hundred two? they use the same high school. From Buffy? That's Buffy. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And do. Emma Crawfield's in it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So we've already kind of gone over the Buffy talks to Whistler in Giles's apartment mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm, so we don't have mm-hmm. to go over that again because we just know that we don't like Whistler. Yeah. And um. Xander telling Buffy to kick his ass is part and parcel to our whole Xander thing. Uh, I'm so glad they ended up addressing that in season. I seven. know. I know. <laughs> it was. It's the most fan servicey thing, but I liked how because it needed to be addressed. It needed to be addressed, and I liked how like. You never really find out how Buffy found out. Yes. But like, Buff, and you don't know how long she's known either, but she's... In my in my brain, the way I always play that is that at some point, Willow. like, yeah. Willow just said, oh yeah, when yeah. back when I sent Xander to you, yeah. and Buffy like just doing that thing that she does where she internalizes it all and just keeps it into a ball until yeah. she explodes. Um, and I feel like that's probably what she, like, that's where yeah. I imagined that going. Like, yeah. Willow being like, yeah, I told Xander to, like, go tell you I was reinstalling Angel and her just being like, yeah. <gasps> and giving the blank, like, SMG yeah. under her cry face but not saying anything. How do we feel about the scene where Xander tells Willow he loves her right before she wakes up from her coma? Oh, I don't like that scene. I loved it back then. Okay. Now, fine. looking back and everything else, it's such an odd little artifact because it's like, oh, they were, re- they really were, like, setting those two up as, like, But true also, love. like... So this is going to be my really lame defense of it. No, is that he could be saying, like, I know that... Oh, he loves her. Like, he loves he, he her. He still loves her. Like, yes, you know, right. like, the way I might be in Matthew's bed and be like, oh, I love you. Like, yeah. I, would also, I, would I will hear about all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would wait uh, Speaking about fan fiction. No, <laughs> um, but... I actually think it's weird that Willow says Oz's name. Like, calm down, y'all haven't. She yes. hasn't even deed you down yet. Like, let's calm. Ah! Let's like, let's cool our jets. Like, shouldn't you be saying mom or like dad? You've seen her mom. Well, She's true. not gonna say mom. Okay. Like, she has terrible parents. But, but like, no, I know or Buffy or Xander's name would make more sense. Like, yeah. the per- like those are her best friends that she loves the most. Uh, you're right. Like. Oz isn't in the episode until he walks in. He's, like, not in the finale until he walks in after she said his name. Yeah. So, like... He doesn't really have much of a He wasn't even there when they got ambushed. Yeah. I know. Where was you when your girl was trying to do this spell the first time? Probably sexing some werewolf lady. (laughs) Yes. And one thing you don't know is last time in one of our last episodes, once you listen to it, we actually think that um, Oz would be a bottom and that Veruca was pegging him. Oh, that makes that, sense. In that, that um, makes a lot of sense. In that werewolf sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she was the aggressor for sure. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. Um, Wait, but can we talk about Willow doing the spell? Yeah. that I, I want to go really quickly because the spell comes later. Okay. I want to go to... This is the first time that we see Buffy doing one of the things that she does many times where she like orchestrates this whole deal with Spike. Yes. Oh, yes, the Spike deal. The Spike deal, because she meets Spike, and Spike, and she has that great line, because Spike wants to help her because he wants Trusilla back, and she's like, you want my help because your girlfriend's a big hoe? Very (laughs) sex negative. It is true. (laughs) But, like, she has every right to be mad at him and say something. Also, Trusilla just murdered her friend. Yeah, her murder. Trusilla probably deserves it. (laughs) Does she know that that Drew was the one who murdered... Kendra at that point? I actually, so, as I always do, I Had have... she been to the hospital by then? Because if I she have, did, somebody probably would I have trivia up, and it says that she's never on screen told. Oh. But, like, all right. No, but wait, she does... No, because eventually she... Spike says, oh, Drew bagged a slayer. Right, right, in front of her. So I think... No, because doesn't Buffy because say your Buffy girlfriend... Buffy says Drusilla murdered, she killed Kendra, she's off so the So Buffy play. does know. Yeah, so somebody like, there's never... I'm a... assuming Xander or yeah. Cordelia yeah, or okay. something. Yeah, okay. So yeah. Buffy does know. Okay. So she does orchestrate this deal, and she. But the best part of it is that she does it in front of Joyce, and Joyce has to play catch up. Yeah, isn't watching it Joyce so weird? To that <laughs> scene is very funny. It's weird. Like I like that scene, but it's weird that Buffy would do that in front of Joyce, especially. I think at that point, it's just like we. It's like it's go like, go go. I liked I, everything with Buffy and Joyce in this episode is very much born of like I don't have time to like yeah. soft pedal this. I just need to like get out of the house and. True. Some of the stuff with the argument with Joyce. It's that she's got to get out of the house, but also it's like 
you can tell she still doesn't want to have this conversation. So she sort of takes some easy outs and is like, oh God, have another drink, Mom. Which yeah. she knows is unfair. Yeah. But wait. But she just wants to end the conversation. We need to talk about that writer's decision because... <laughs> Joyce has never been a mom who's, like, drinking. Right. Like, she's not Helga's mom on Hey Arnold, who's, like, <laughs> right. constantly drunk in the middle of the day. But also, that's not crazy that, like, someone would be so stressed and their daughter's a murder victim. Like, well, and she's only, she like, I don't, I think it's mostly that, like, I think Buffy's just, like, lashing out. Yeah. In, like, a way. Yeah, but also, I don't know, Buffy's killed her husband before, I mean, killed Ted before, and we didn't see oh, her God, drinking that. And, like, yeah. We've, no, that's true. I think it's weird, and then I also think it's weird that, like, Joyce throws the glass and shatters it. It's very soap opera. Like, it's, yeah, it just, it veers a little bit into soap yeah. opera at that point. As is the verbiage of, if you walk out of this house right now, don't, don't even think, think about coming back. back. And but just, that was a good uh, clip to use in every previously on Buffy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At least the next two for uh, Anne and when, uh, right. Dead Man's Party, yeah. And, like, the way that she physically throws Joyce and, like... Yes! Because when Joyce says that, she's, like, oh, punched she's like, over the kitchen. Yeah, yes. Like, looking at I her daughter remember who just, that like, posture. physically hit her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but, like, like you said, Buffy needed to get shit done and Joyce needed to get the fuck out of her way, like... Yeah. So this is, it's funny, this is why my mom never liked Joyce. Right. Because of this scene. But, like, it's clearly, like, parallel, like, anyone who's come out or, like, anything yeah, like well, that. Yeah, well, it's definitely like, a coming out So, um, would you want to be Joyce and maybe Buffy and we'll read through the coming, oh, the coming okay. out, the right, the right when she, um... Oh, God. The, the whole, the, the soap opera scene. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I think, so, yeah, this is a, a coming out parallel... What did you search? I think you searched about coming I'm just Okay, cool. Is it long? How long is it's it? It's really long. Well, you know, it's worth it. Um, let's... Where should, we, where should you... I'll, you know Here. what? I'll move. Or do you have I'll it? I'll find it. Let me just find it. What okay, cool. This is exciting. Okay. <laughs> um, also, oh, so while you guys are doing yeah, while, this, yeah, you I'll talk it. about the fact that I custom-made a goddamn jacket for the... Uh, Cover of this podcast episode, I custom made a jacket to put on fucking Buffy, and it was very difficult, and I'm pretty proud of myself. So I think we should start with, if you want to search something, Joe, it's yeah. Joyce saying, it's because you didn't have a, you can search strong father figure, that stands out, and yep. that's Joyce's first line, and you'll start, and then I'll be Buffy. Alright. <coughs> it's because you didn't have a strong father, okay, alright, so I'm there. Alright, all right. Okay, so you start, alright. Yeah. It's because you didn't have a strong father figure, isn't it? Isn't it? It's just fate, Mom. I'm the Slayer. Accept it. We should call the police. No, we're not calling the police. Well, now that we know that you're innocent... What? You thought I was guilty? Jeez, feeling the love in here. I don't think that... I I just... Now we have proof. We have... Wait, my word, Mom. Not proof. I'm sure they'll understand. Get them involved. You'll get them killed. You wouldn't hurt them, honey. I'm a slayer, not a postal worker. Her mother picks up the phone and Buffy slaps her hand onto the switch hook. Cops can't fight demons. I have to do it. Do what? You have more line? Oh, do I? I don't have it on this one. Oh. We're looking at two separate things. Okay. <laughs> I've got you say... You I'm say Buffy, what is happening? Oh, sorry. Buffy, what is happening? Just, just have another drink. She turns away from her mother and starts to walk off. Don't jo- you talk to me like that. You still have more? Oh, I do, because I threw my glass. Crash. <laughs> yeah. You can't just drop something like that on me and pretend it's nothing. I'm sorry, Mom, but I don't have time for this. No, I'm tired of I don't have time and you wouldn't understand. I am your mother and you are going to make time to explain yourself. I told you, I'm a vampire slayer. Well, I don't accept that. Open your eyes, Mom. What do you think has been going on for the past two years? The fights? The weird occurrences? The men leaving my bedroom? How many times have you washed blood out of my clothing? And you still haven't figured it out? Well, it stops now. No, it doesn't stop. It never stops. Do you think I chose to be like this? Do you have any idea how lonely it is? How dangerous? I would love to be upstairs watching TV or gossiping about boys or God, even studying. But I have to save the world. Again. You need help. I'm not crazy. What I need for you is for you to chill. I have to go. But I'm not letting you out of this house. You can't stop me. If you walk out of this house, don't even think about coming back. Buffy just gives her a long stare and leaves. Joyce sighs. Having failed once again communicating with her daughter, she turns around and leans on the island with her head in her hands. Yeah. I think I was looking at a, like original script, because there are lines in this one that I have that, like, 
There are my my one of my favorite lines of all time is Buffy saying, "I would love to be up in my room gossiping about boys." God, even studying, I love. Yeah, because she's like Buffy. You're not going to study. She really is like. (laughs) You're right. All of this is like give her an Emmy. Like just like please. I looked up. Okay, Christine Lottie won the Emmy for Chicago Hope that year. I love Christine Lottie, but that is BS. (laughs) I mean, she wasn't nominated because no, she wasn't. She was never nominated. She was nominated for a Golden Globe Globe in the for season seven. No, really, earlier. It was earlier than that. I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was season three. seven. I can look it up. You look up. I think it was I do love that seven. look back to Joyce where after Buffy walks out and Joyce sort of has that look it's just like, oh God, why did I say that? Like, right, like I think Buff- I think Joyce knows that she fucked up. She regrets up. it immediately. Yeah. She really does. Which is why, like, I do like that. Oh, you're right. It was for season four, I guess, because it was okay. nominated 2001, so it, probably, it was either season four or five. It's probably season four because that's when they nominated Hush for a writing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So probably yeah. yeah, which is really weird that season four is the one that has the. It's I think that's when like critical acclaim sort of started catching up to like there was right. a little bit of momentum behind it after. Well, I mean, if they, it, it also depends. Those nominations always depend on the episode they submit to. Though I think well, the Golden Globes, I think it, it depends on like right who they like basically who they like yeah and I mean Sam Michelle Geller was a star at that point oh yeah and yeah. they're star oh and at that point she probably she would have definitely been in I Know What You Did Last Summer oh, and yeah. Scream 2 and probably not Scooby-Doo yet but like close Scooby-Doo was not far after because those yeah. were very early those were like 97 wait really Scream 2 oh Scream 2 but Scooby-Doo Scream... I thought was like 2000 no no that's what I'm saying but Scooby-Doo Scream 2 and I Know You Did Summer were both 97 yeah 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 yeah, yeah um, Scooby Doo was two thousand two because that's why she has the red hair at the beginning of season six. Yeah, yeah, and one of those either I know what you did last summer or uh, or Scream Two. She has the Buffy season two haircut. Yeah, I remember. I think it's Scream Two, or at the very least, if not in the movie, certainly when she was on the cover of Entertainment Weekly, where it was her and Jada and Nev Campbell. All covered. She in, had yeah. the Buffy season two haircut. Wait, her and Jada and Nev Campbell were on the cover, of and it was maybe one more person. Yes, it, and the, and in the photo spread, they're all covered in blood. Yeah, who was the fourth person? It. It would have been Nev Campbell, oh, Courtney Cox. Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Jada Pinkett Smith, and, and Sarah Michelle. Oh, yeah. For yeah. Screen, yeah. Screen, oh, screen my gosh. Too. It's a great cover. We should just make that cover the, the cover. If Ian had already worked so hard, <laughs> we just made that cover the cover for this episode. I was like, do not! <laughs> Slayer Fist 98 over the image of these four uh, women. Yeah, see, this is. Oh, and Tori Spelling. Go see Jada Pinkett in Girls Trip. <laughs> this is my official. Oh my look. god, that! Oh, that's not the cover I was thinking of, but yeah, that's a, that. I don't think that was the cover. That was inside. Well, that's the, the inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's but Tori inside. Spelling wasn't in Scream Two. She is very briefly. She's in the scenes the of Stab. Remember when they're yes. like? Yes. Okay. Because she's Drew Barrymore. Yes. No. no she's Nev Campbell. Campbell's because the, good, the joke. Campbell. Okay. The joke in the first one is like, oh, with my luck, they'd cast me as Tori Spelling. And right. Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah. 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 God, that. That's such a good like. I don't know. That's like so great, and I also made me like Tori Spelling that she was self aware enough that she was like, "Yeah, sure." You know even what? She Tori was Spelling joke. is probably one of the most self aware actresses. She knows. Maybe not the most, <laughs> but like she's up there. She like... knows. All right, back to Buffy. Yeah. Um. So then we get. This was what I was thinking of. Buffy. Yeah. Oh, okay. The picture. The picture I showed everyone was them in a bathroom covering blood. The cover was just four of them. Anyway. anyway um. <laughs> so. This episode, like, so. I, I really liked all the scenes with Spike and Joyce, and I remember when I watched this thinking, eh, this feels a little weird for Spike, but, like, now watching it, it makes total sense for Spike. It's the scene that springboarded Spike into the Spike that we would get yes. when we saw him again in season four. Yes. And... Yeah, I just, I, so I, I do want to go back and talk about Joyce as well, just because, yeah. like, I feel like this... You know, we're all queer, and as queer people, like, we... I'm not. We're, we're, oh, sorry. I was like, Joe? <laughs> what? Everything, I, my whole world. Um, <laughs> sorry for just putting that label on you. can't believe you guys would assume. Um, I, I just, like, that scene means so much to who Joyce is, and I think... Yeah. That, I think you can't talk about Joyce without thinking about that scene. Like, she has so many iconic moments, but, like... Agreed. What do you do in that moment when... I mean, and I know, obviously, coming out as a vampire slayer is very different from coming out as gay, because when your child comes out as gay, you also know that gay people exist. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the way that they paralleled the idea that, like, it's not that Joyce was revolted by Buffy. It was that she was so afraid for her. And that oh, fear yeah. manifested in this sort of angry protectiveness in that, like, and that's a big part of a lot of, like, parents' reactions well, to kids coming out. Exactly. Like, I was just talking with a friend of mine yesterday who was talking about coming out to their parents, and they were saying, like, 
the number one thing is not that they were like upset about you being gay. It's like my child's gonna have a harder life, yeah. right? And yeah. parents never want their children to have a hard life, right? Um, and they only want you know the best for their kid. And so like Joyce was told that like. Her daughter, which she, I mean, she wasn't told everything, but, like, she doesn't know that her daughter's part of repression where girls die by, like, 15 sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was, but I think also, one of the things that never really happens is, like, Joyce actually saying, there are vampires? Like, <laughs> yes. that's the part that I did want to see, is, like, yeah. Joyce reacting to the fact that not only is her daughter a vampire slayer, that there are vampires. I like the idea, though, of Joyce being like everybody else in Sunnyvale, where it's just like, you kind of know this in the back of your head. You just don't allow yourself to, like... And that Buffy points, like, literally points it out. It's like, right. how many times you wash blood right. out of my shirt? Right. Which is, like, that for me, so I love that whole scene, but that's the only pinch where they almost lose me, yeah. because that's so absurd... But also, it makes sense. My, my yeah. daughter is on her period all the time, <laughs> like, and she just gets it all over her shirts. <laughs> like, you guys, what do you think Don did during the scene in the reconstructed memories of? Uh... I really would like to see. Oh that. Like, my god! Was she like upstairs, just Crying. like listening to music, or was she like making a nuisance of herself? Like <laughs> when Buffy, no, no, when Buffy's leaving, she yells, "Get out! Get out! Yeah. Get out!" <laughs> She's like, "You hurt my mom! Get out! Get out!" Get and out. when would they have informed Don that vampires are real? Yeah. Would that have been like, oh, well, this is important, we need to tell her because otherwise she can... Well, because in the very first time we see... Well, in the second, because it's at the end of the Buffy Rashaka that we see Dawn. Yeah. In the second episode where she's writing her diary, she knows all about vampires. Yeah, she knows. writing about what her sister is. Yeah. Yeah. And how much she wants to, how much, it's, yeah. it's, how cool it is. That was been a fun, like, web series to do in between, like, seasons five and six, is to do, like, Dawn, uh... Like inserted into old scenes of Buffy. yeah, <laughs> like she was here all along. Like, what are you talking what are you about? <laughs> this is Don loving Ted. Don <laughs> loved Ted. Oh God, I bet you Don fucking loved Ted. Don fucking loved Ted. Uh, she would. So then we get to Akafla. Akafla is almost. <laughs> if we didn't have Whistler, I would be annoyed about Akafla. If, like, I wasn't already annoyed about Whistler, like, I would be annoyed about Akafla because it's such a big deal and it literally just, like, they never mentioned it before. Yeah, And yeah. it feels like, these are the big bads. What if they've been just, like, twiddling their thumbs waiting for this to happen? Like, this has been hanging around this whole time. Yeah. It's, like, portal to... Well, one of the things I like about the Spike interaction that goes back to Akafla is when, um, you know... Now that we live in a world inundated by superhero movies and we watch seven of them a, a day. Yeah. And I love all of them. Um, ones. <laughs> this episode actually calls bullshit on the whole I want to destroy the world thing where Spike yeah. is like, we're in the world. We don't right. actually want to destroy it. Right. I but, actually kind of enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And like, so I actually think it's really interesting um, that he like called, because it's kind of like, okay, Angel, if you destroy the world, like you're, but yeah. I guess the way that Buffy kind of explains it is that it's less destroying the world. It's that like, They'll be sucked into They'll a be hell on Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking that there is a philosophical aspect to talk about about like how Buffy talks about hell because it's never like the bad place. It's always like they're like we exist in this dimension, and then there's like a demon dimension where they're in charge. Yeah. And blah blah blah. Yeah. And like, guess well, that's you, where you even hear about that when uh, like Connor comes back on Angel. From yeah. His, like, yeah. Whatever. And I think at the end of season five, I what's feel, happening is, like, the I two worlds like merging. Yeah. Kind of every dimension in Buffy, every other dimension is a hell dimension. So and the, the world, world without, without shrimp. shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anya forever. Um, but also, this, the Angel-Buffy fight, for me, the way Darkinder stood is, or stalled, or whatever the hell is it, the way he's, like, a precursor to the gentleman, I almost feel like this is, like, a really good precursor to Buffy and Faith. Yeah. Because it's, like, a big epic battle that's yes. not quite as fine-tuned yet. No, I think that's true. Especially if you look at the battle in Graduation Day Part 1. It's, yes. like, there's no comparison. And yet, this has such stakes to it that, yes. like, it's every sunny. single motion is just... I will say, one thing that I thought was struck by watching it again was, like, she takes a long time dispatching that one, like, henchman vampire. <laughs> like, just, like, stake this motherfucker. Like, get to the real business. And, like, um... Okay, but... This is the episode where, like, Buffy's body double is so visible. Yes. That's why, it's, yeah, it's not... Yes. This, it's just, like, For that true. is clearly not Sarah Michelle Gellar fighting not David Boreanaz. Yep, that's absolutely It's true. just two other people fighting, and Completely. you have to accept that. Completely. They got a lot better. <laughs> well, Especially yeah. with this... it being on Netflix now, where you're, like, yes. watching it right in front of your face, like, yep. on your laptop, totally. and you're like, oh, 
Yeah. That's not. I bad. feel like they just should have cut cut out the sword part because they couldn't. Like when they're fighting, when, when she it's... is not a natural <laughs> holding a sword. It's very Michelle Gellar, I will say. When like, they're doing the sword fight and it's close ups and it is them, it's just like a sword flailing all yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, one other thing I noticed, which I've never made note of before, but that Spike essentially gets uh, Drusilla away by putting her in a chokehold. Right. Yeah. Vampires don't breathe. Makes no sense. So there's it literally like, makes no makes sense. no sense that that's how you're gonna subdue Drusilla. Like he should have just knocked her. And like out. yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is like there there is a big current of like abuse with Spike and Drusilla in this episode oh, yeah. where he's just like super ownership of her. Yeah. And it's like um. I want uh, she's to... autonomous and she can make her own decisions. Right? <laughs> I just wanted to be like, um, excuse me, Spike, I killed a fucking Slayer. Yeah. yeah. I'm bringing home the bacon. And you're, like, you're in your little wheelchair. Like, and you <laughs> lied about being in a wheelchair. Like, yeah, way to be a liar, Spike. <laughs> Spike has been lying. You know what? She should have dumped him that she did. Imagine after. the whole, if you were writing it as a soap, the whole faking it about being in a wheelchair aspect yes. that they could have had. Like, the fight that Drusilla and Spike could have had if this was a soap opera about them. Oh my god. First of all, I would watch every inch of a soap opera about Spike and Drusilla. <laughs> like, just bitter old... Especially like, if it was on, like, HBO or Showtime. Yes, 100%. Like, 1999 Showtime. 100%. What I also find so funny is that Angel's doing this whole battle in a button-down... In, like, this, like, silk button-down <laughs> shirt. Silk button-down. Where I was just like, man, like... You stay, you stay dapper or whatever. Yeah. Did you see? So did you see Wonder Woman, Joe? I did. So did you also see the parallel at the very end? She catches the sword. Where Wonder Woman catches the sword. Oh, I didn't make note of that. But there was yes. a lot going around in the and in she the says Twitter to me. Yeah. Uh, what's so, left? Me. Right. That. So that's like okay. So I love the run in part. One, but like for me, part two, that's the absolute best part is her catching that goddamn sword. Yeah, like I feel like I'm like, yes, fucking get him, yeah. Buffy. Like I'm just yeah. like very empowered by her catching that goddamn sword. Yeah. So I, we've talked. Sorry, we talked about this. So what was the first episode of Buffy you ever saw? I think it was Faith, Hope, and Trick. I think that's okay. So I started at Anne. So okay. we started season three. Yeah. Once again, uh, Joe, I tell started- us what it was like. Yes. Wait, when did you start? I started mid-season two. I was surprised. Okay, so surprised tell us what it was like <laughs> seeing Willow become, like, a witch. Okay, well, this is what I want to talk about. Because okay. <laughs> the memories of her, like, snapping into, like, like Latin mode. Right. Like, like where she's, like... Speaking in tongues. She's really into this incantation. But, like, even when, like, she's starting to do the spell and she's, like, spirits of the interregnum, I call. And I'm, like, I, that's, like, in my head. Like, <laughs> it's so fresh in my brain. I was just, like... Oh shit! And then watching her sort of snap into it as Cordelia's being like, "Willow, chill out." <laughs> it's so it was so incredibly because up until that point, Willow's the nerd girl, like yeah. that is it. Right? Like, she's sort of dabbling in magic, but mostly she's like dabbling in like teaching Jenny Calendar's like computer classes. Like she's right. not even like she's like, "Oh, I guess I'm going to try out the spell." It did make me think of the nature of Willow's power because yes. the show kind of goes back and forth with sometimes they present it as it's this thing that willow worked really hard to acquire and to master or to like not to master but to like get good at right and sometimes in like in this episode it's just like oh like something sort of like called out to her and like you know grabbed her well, essentially that's very interesting because if you think about like if we talk about harry potter right like yeah there are people who are born to witches and then there's someone like Hermione who like happens to be a witch but like is born to like muggle parents. Muggle parents. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and she works for it. And like that kind of is a Willow. Like Hermione is kind of a descendant of Willow sure. in that way. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really interesting because by the end you see basically Willow ascend to like semi-goddess status or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it is interesting to think back to going like, was she just born like meant born to be a witch this whole time and like right. something I like the about idea doing that better. spell unlocked it. I like the idea better that she's somebody who like worked hard at it, but like stuff like this. I mean, it's undeniably badass. It really made me realize that like, oh my god, they really ripped that off and chosen. Like they really. 
like basically we're just like we're just gonna do this again where she's like <laughs> but they do it bigger like, they, they do it bigger and she says oh my goddess and I think it's embarrassing but you know what? it's fine <gasps> well, it's my least favorite moment of the uh, I don't like it I, it is a little on the nose I, I, I like the hair turning white yes I'm me too I'm a fan of the white hair the white hair makes me cry yeah, yeah. Um, but I what doesn't yeah, make I, me cry well, because it, <laughs> so I don't I, I don't actually think that it's something she worked for because I think like, yeah. that's what frustrates Amy in The Killer and Me, where she's like, yes. we had to do four times as much work and blah, blah, and you, like, yeah. did nothing. Yeah. And it just happened. And I do think it was like, Willow just was destined to become a witch. Yeah. In the way that Hermione was. Yes. I and, agree. like, yeah. she's just super smart. So she goes at witchcraft with an academic rigor. Yeah. That she brings, like, to her studies. And yeah. that's just why she gets But it good. also plays into the fact that, like, she ended up getting way more power too soon, and that's how things go bad for her in... Right later season. But, but you know what's funny about, and, and we can, I know we do have to wrap up yeah. soon, but I, we'll talk about this more when you come back and when we, and when we do more stuff, but um, yeah. the show really does, we should have an whole episode about like the philosophy of magic on this show because yes. it is all over the place because then you have the addiction metaphor and then you have the whole episode it's, where she's like, magic is physics. It's pretty inconsistent. Out of nowhere, so it's very inconsistent. Yeah. So this is another like, what yeah. is, so are you just born a witch? Yeah. Or blah, um, blah. I've been told that it goes very hand-in-hand hand with, like, D&D, the okay. way they present magic. Um, oh, that's interesting. I'm that, very like, totally ignorant of D&D. Yeah, me I'm me ignorant of D&D, but every single RPG ever that you'll play as a video game that I've played is yeah. kind of bastardized from d and I'm also ignorant of RPGs. True, yeah. So yeah. I can I kind of understand, like, when I, when I encountered D&D for the first time, I was like, oh, this is yeah. every RPG I've ever played. To me, D&D was Amanda's uh, advertising firm in Melrose Place, and that's the last time I'll bring Melrose Place <laughs> this episode. Um, um, can we talk about Sir Michelle Gellar's acting once Angel gets his soul back? It is... It's the best. It's the best. I think... That quiver in her voice when she says, close your eyes, uh, kills me! I think Sir Michelle Gellar, so I'm a Buffy, I cry like Buffy, yeah. where I get like blank and cry, and I think she does that so well. Yeah. Her just like, dread, but like not... Like, she's just blank, but she, like, you see the dread in her face. Well, and you just see her connect all those dots at once where she's like, oh my god, he's back. Oh my god, I can't stop this. Oh yeah. my god, I have to still kill him. Ugh. But you see, that's the thing, is you actually see Sarah Michelle Gellar realizing all these things you the same time we're realizing. Yep. So it's, uh, it's, and it's You're really in there amazing right acting. Yes, it People is. try to come for Sarah Michelle Gellar's acting all the time, like, watch Becoming Part 2. Yeah, absolutely. like. And you can't ever come for her acting again. It's She's so It's perfect. flawless. And actually, I think that... I think maybe it's like a rising tide lifts all boats. Like, her acting is so good that I actually think David Boreanaz steps up at the end. I agree. Yes, and yes. when he transforms back, he's actually doing a good job of of doing the bad angel, good angel thing, yeah. which he's not always good at. Yeah. And I think it... I, to be fair, because they do seem like they've always been really close, yeah. I think that could have had a lot to do with why his acting in that scene is good. Yeah. Because him and her had like, whoops, <laughs> him and her had such like a good friendship, maybe like yes. that helped improve him. Yeah, no, I think he does some of his best work in this episode and that scene especially where, um, even like when he takes that like gasp when like the soul goes back and he takes that yeah. gasp yeah. and that just look on his in his face and it's so we're so not used to these portraits of like romantic male heroes being so vulnerable yes. and he's so vulnerable in that scene and like the fact that she tells him to close his eyes and he does also really gets me because he's like so trusting of her and he's so like you know he has all these questions and he you know feels like he's been away forever and whatever but she says close his up close your eyes and he does and it's just and I then get, uh, and then she gets fallen into a cockless through a sea <laughs> God! you were just waiting you to say that to. weren't you <laughs> Which I totally owned that album back then. Oh, me too. So I was very much a little fair lesbian. <laughs> little fair was my first life. concert I ever went to. What's the final <laughs> final? Because I know then it's the whole scene of them being like, "Where's Buffy?" Yeah. So the, when the song starts playing, literally phones. while she's still in the cave with a yeah, like right and after. And so she swollen. like walks home, and then she like leaves the note, and Joyce finds it, and then they go to school. And the do song they ever show what's seats. written on the note? No, they right. don't. Okay, I don't, I don't think so. they do. I guess not. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then they show, and then the, pe- the people at school are like, maybe Buffy will show up, and Willow's like, maybe she and Angel, you know, are off. Are off. Like, Willow. Yeah, I know. 
Um, and then Buffy sort of looks at them from afar, and then the last thing you see is her on the bus. The bus and right. it's like leaving Sunnydale. Right, okay. It's yeah. very emotional, and I cry it's a lot. very emotional. Yeah, <laughs> very, it's, very emotional. Uh, that's one of those things where it's like, anytime, like, the beginning, and it's like, when do you ever hear that song? But like, if ever I were to hear that song in the wild, like those first couple <laughs> bars, I would just be like, oh god. Oh, ASPCA, no. you can't have that one. Yeah, exactly. No, thank so, you. Yeah, I will keep my associations with this song. <laughs> so, Faith, Hope, and Trick was my first episode that I like watched, because I, I think I said like, I only... That's a good intro to the show. Casually yeah. watched season three... But the first time I literally saw the show, that my first memory of that show is my mother watching her chill angel in the like tiny TV they had in the kitchen, uh-huh. and my mom like sobbing hysterically uh-huh. at the kitchen table. Your mom is correct. It's like a that's like a spoil <laughs> like, like starting on a spoiler alert. Basically, yeah. <laughs> like I just remember being like. What are you doing? And she was like, Buffy just had to chill Angel, the love of her life. I, just, I was, was so like, transfixed by that episode. And of course, then immediately I was like, I gotta watch all of season <laughs> one and two that I haven't seen yet. Like, <sighs> so right. it's time to say goodbye. Yes. Time to say goodbye. Thanks for coming back, Joe. Thank you for having me. My favorite yeah. episode of all time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is okay. it? Buffy or Becoming Part Two? Yeah. Oh. Yep. Um, oh, let's grade Becoming Part One and Part Two. Oh, okay. Se- a separate part. Separate. Okay. Um, I think Becoming I- One. I would say B plus. B plus. B plus. B yeah. two. A plus. A. I don't give A pluses, so okay. A. <laughs> <laughs> but would you, I, overall, I would give an A, I think, if I had to yeah. them together. Both of them together? Yeah. I think they aired, I think it was a two-hour finale. I'm pretty I sure it was so the too. same night. I think mo- almost all of, that's what always bothered me about the last season, because I think almost every season, the finale is like a two-parter and they always aired them together except for chosen they did yeah. it like it was that's just a I mean. one hour that's finale. what that like i remember like going yeah. into chosen thinking it was going to be a two-hour wait episode. is the gift two hours uh, no right. the gift is only right. one hour and and this and season six is one hour and they didn't air it's two to go then grave they yeah, and to, no, they, they most infamously graduation day aired two yeah. separate nights and two like Part two didn't air till months later. Yeah. Till or not or weeks Well, that was later. why I had given up on season three because there was all that like weird whatever. Because there was another school shooting. Yeah, that and was, was the just same. Like, eh. That was all like those shootings in the wake of Columbine, and so yeah. they pulled Earshot, and then another one happened, and so they pulled Graduation Day Part Two. And I always wondered, like, can you imagine if that happened now, like with like social media and like yeah. the outrage that would happen <laughs> of like you oh, are yeah. air, you are not airing the. Part two of a also cliffhanger finale? It totally would have well, leaked if that, that happened. Okay, now. True. But okay, but anyway, so yeah. you can follow our podcast on Twitter at SlayerFestX98. And you can follow me on Twitter at IanXCarlos. I'm Matthew Rodriguez. Matthew with one T and Rodriguez with a G and a Z. Uh, I'm Joe Reed. Reed is R-E-I-D. And we love you all. We love you all. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And... Acoplis next- Thorsey. <laughs> Uh, goodbye. <laughs>